Today is the day where we finish our long study through the Gospel of John. It's, uh, uh, you probably don't give it a whole lot of thought to it, possibly, <laughs> but it's been, uh, been kind of an interesting reaction I've had as you look at emptying my shelves, emptying my digital file of all my books on the Gospel of John and reloading them with uh, Romans. Um, so it's always fun collecting new curriculum for that, new, new studies, new commentaries for that. Um, but it is kind of bittersweet. As we look at finishing the Gospel of John, I do trust that the time we have spent in this Gospel has been meaningful uh, for you as you reflect back. And, and thinking about that, I might say this yet. I don't know if you found the Scripture journals that, that uh, we have handed out at the beginning of this, if you still have yours from two and a half years ago, um, but nonetheless, we're going to have the same for uh, the Romans. So if you would like one of those scripture journals, I've gotten something a li- little bit different. It is the NASB, since that is what I preach out. That is what I use. So I have purchased the NASB scripture journals. There's a little more room to write between the, the verses and between the lines. I think you'll find it uh, more helpful for those of you who journal. So if you'd like to s- like one of those, you'll find them soon on the, on the back table. So open your Bibles to the Gospel of John, chapter 21. We're going to finish what we started last week with Fulfill Your Mission. And as I was reflecting upon this uh, this week, it all of a sudden struck me, what a, what a purposeful way to close a Gospel uh, that John has done here. And I'm not sure that was his intention, uh, that someone would preach a sermon over this that's called Fulfill Your Mission but I do think that is a culmination of, of what he's been teaching us for these past 21 chapters. And we get down to the end, and that is really the point, I guess, if you want to think about it, of the Gospel of John. We know that John had said that the purpose for him writing this was so, so that we may know that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, we may have life in his name. And so that is our mission. That is our mission first and foremost, to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and then to let everyone else know that. And so that's how we're going to close this gospel. John chapter 21, verses 21, or I'm sorry, John chapter 21, verses 15 through verse 25. And God's inspired and inerrant word reads, So when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Jesus said to John, tend my lambs. Jesus said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said to John, shepherd my sheep. Jesus said to John a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were younger, you used to gird yourself and walk wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will gird you and bring you where you do not wish to go. Now this he said, signifying by what kind of death he would glorify God. 
And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them. The one who also had leaned back at his bosom at the supper and said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? So Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? And Jesus said to him, if I want him to remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Therefore, this saying went out among the brethren that the disciple would not die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he would not die. But only if I want him to remain until I come, what is that to you? This is the disciple who is testifying these things and wrote these things. And we know that his testimony is true. There are also many other things which Jesus did, which if they were written in detail, I suppose the even the whole world itself would not contain the books that would be written. Father, we ask a blessing upon the reading of your word. And now, Lord, as we uh, bring our study through the Gospel of John to a close, may this not be the last time that we interact with this Gospel. And may the truths that we learn through this Gospel take root in our heart and in our mind and in our lives. And may you be glorified. Father, as we will see today, it's all about glorifying you. It is you who must be the center of our focus in our daily life, in fulfilling our mission, in all that we do. And so, Father, we would ask that you would be the center of our service, of this message, of this sermon, of the rest of our time here this morning. We pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Fulfill your mission, part two. Winston Churchill once said, success is never final. Failure is never fatal. It is courage that counts. You have probably seen this quote pop up in inspirational posts such as desktop calendars, posters, or maybe even included on some type of framed art. Curious as to the context of this quotable quote, I was surprised to discover there is no evidence that Churchill ever said this. However, there is some suggestion that it was said by Abraham Lincoln. Since there is no hard evidence as who quoted this quote can be definitely attributed to, I suggest we give authorship to Simon Peter. As much as we would like to take inspiration from quotes such as this, we must also be quick to note that very few such quotes are absolutes. Success is never final. Failure is never fatal. It is courage that counts. As John recorded the final events of last week of Jesus, His ride into Jerusalem, His trial, His conviction, His execution, His burial, His resurrection, and the events after the resurrection of Jesus we see that sometimes success and failures are indeed final and fatal. The success of the resurrection of Jesus is final defeat over evil. Satan has been defeated, and his final destruction is indeed final. We also see the outcome of the life of Judas. His mission was completed as planned. However, the failure of his life was indeed fatal. Courage to fulfill your mission, D 
despite success or failure, is indeed what counts. And so as we bring our study through the Gospel of John to a close, and we continue what we started last week with Fulfill Your Mission, I want you to see John's final encouragement to his readers. Peter had what could be what could have been a catastrophic failure. And John gives an eyewitness view of the restoration of Peter to his mission by Jesus. John also clues us in on the purpose of Peter's mission and what and that it was specific to Peter. And although these final closing verses of John's gospel are focused on Peter, by way of inspiration, they have been preserved and handed down to us. Peter's story is our story. Peter's mission is our mission. And so with that, let me tell you where we're going to go this morning. We will simply follow the journey that Jesus took with Peter. Mission restored. Mission purpose. Mission specific. Mission restored. Mission purpose. Mission specific. In verses 15 through 17, we see the restoration of Peter to the mission given him by Jesus. But before we can see the mission restored, we must first see the mission given. Obviously, restoration suggests that something came prior to it. And to do that, you're well aware of it already, but to do that as we lay the groundwork for where we're headed this morning, I do want to turn back to the Gospel of Matthew and take Matthew's account of this incident. Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 18, we see the mission given to Peter by Jesus. And Matthew recorded it like this. He said, now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he was asking his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Some said John the Baptist. Others said Elijah. Others said Jeremiah. Others said a prophet. He said to them, and Jesus said to the disciples, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ the Son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. I also say to you, Peter, upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. We see right here at the beginning of Jesus' ministry as He called the disciples that He gave Peter a mission. He gave Peter his mission that Peter was supposed to live out. And we see, as we had already seen, the, the failure of Peter in fulfilling that mission. And so here in the closing verses of John's Gospel, John is recording for us the restoration by Jesus to Peter. And I want to start with a little bit of a reflection possibly here that that Jesus, you know, that Jesus and Peter, as we look about these first three verses anyways, and, and many people talk about love, uh, phileo, and agape, and how they were used in different senses, and yeah, okay, maybe, whatever, much can be said about that, but I kind of want to go in a different direction with that this morning, because I'm not sure we need to, to get off into those weeds, but you know how much I like to do that. Uh, but as we think about Peter and Jesus... And if you remember last week that Peter bails out of the boat, 
doesn't even wait for the boat to get to shore and makes a beeline for the beach when John here, the reasonable disciple, told Peter that it was Jesus. And so here we see Peter show up on the beach where Jesus had already breakfast prepared for them. And it says then in verse 15 of John chapter 21, and so when they had finished breakfast, and I can envision here that Jesus and Peter kind of wandered off by themselves, and they kind of took a little walk down the seashore, if you will, as Jesus was going to restore Peter back to his ministry. Someone who had failed completely and catastrophically, we could say, Someone who had denied Jesus, and not even denied Jesus, but swore he never even knew the man. I mean, someone that had gone to that extent could be difficult to recover from such a failure. And I just envisioned Jesus walking Peter, just the two of them, down the beach. And it's not completely, I'm not out on a limb totally by myself there, because if we look at verse 20, it may suggest that this is indeed what happened because it tells us in chapter 20 that turning around, Peter seen the disciple whom Jesus loved following them. And so it would almost give us that picture that as they were walking down the beach, the other disciples kind of followed at a distance, almost as though they recognized and knew what was taking place. But I'm not 100% sure that was the case, but that's the way that I would like to think about it. And maybe you yourself have found yourself in need of restoration. You yourself have found yourself that you and Jesus just need to take that walk down the beach. That you and Jesus need, just need to share that cup of coffee. Just the two of you, if you know what I mean. And to restore yourself, to re-energize and to re-encourage you in the mission that you have been given. But in verse 15, uh, it tells us... <clears throat> And this is the part that we want to focus in on just a little bit here, where Jesus turns to Peter and says, do you love me more than these? Peter, do you love me more than these? Well, who is these? Of course, we need to focus in a little bit on, on who are these. And so we want to do that a little bit this morning. These refer to three things in competition for our love for Jesus. That's the heart of the matter. Anything that it gets in the way of our love for Jesus is the problem, is it not? And that is exactly what, we're, what Jesus is going to walk Peter through here this morning. And so first, these can certainly refer to, do you love me more than these love me? Jesus is asking Peter, Peter, do you love me more than the rest of the disciples love me? If you remember also going back to Matthew, if you remember there where Matthew said in chapter 26, verse 33, that Peter made a, you know, Peter always made such bold claims. Peter was one who was just all in and often without thinking. And he made a bold claim and he told Jesus, Jesus, even though all may fall away because of you, I will never fall away. In other words, Peter already told Jesus, Jesus, I obviously love you more than these others because these others may indeed fall away, but I will never fall away. So Peter was already elevating himself in his love for Jesus. And now Jesus needs to take him back through this journey and say, Peter, do you really love me more than these? You made the proclamation. You see the outcome. Do you love me more than these? Well, second, these can certainly refer to uh, do you love me more than you love your career? 
Do you love me more than these fishing boats? Do you love me more than these fishing nets? You know, you, know, you went off, the first thing you did is went off to, to your business, went off to your career, went off to your hobbies, went off to doing what you naturally want to do. Do you love me more than you love your career? And we can certainly relate to that this morning, can we not? As much of our time, rightfully so probably, certainly I would not want anyone to feel guilty for the time they spend at work, unless you spend too much time at work, right? But work consumes our life. Our career can consume our life. Do we love Jesus more than we love our career? Are we willing, fulfill your mission, are we willing to walk away from our career if Jesus asks us to do that? No questions asked. Are we willing to walk away from that? And that's what Jesus is asking Peter this morning. Peter, do you love me more than you love your career? And third, I, I, I believe, and, I, and this is really for myself what I think is the heart of the question, and that is, do you love me more than you love others? Peter, do you love me above all others? In Matthew chapter 10, verse 37, Jesus already said, he who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Jesus is asking Peter, Peter, do you love others more than you Love me. I'm sorry. I'll try to get this fixed. I know that's distracting for you. Um, do you love me more than you love all others? Very few authors have had an impact on my life as Aidan Wilson Tozer has had. And yet he had many, what many would call, and probably rightfully, rightfully so, faults. He was not the most attentive father to his seven children, and yet all are successful by the world's standards. And all seven are strong, committed Christians. There's certainly much to be said about both of those two things. And yet after the death of Aiden, Ada, his wife Aiden, married Leonard Odom. Leonard Odom was a widower who started attending the church with Aiden when Aiden was still uh, pastoring and preaching up in Chicago. And he started attending there as a widower. And he was all by himself. And Aiden would invite him to come up in front and sit with his wife, Ada, so he wasn't by himself. And then after the death of Aiden, Ada married Leonard Odom. And people who were close to her would come up to her and ask her the years following uh, the death of Aiden and the marriage to Leonard Odom. And they would ask her her response, uh, they would ask her how she's doing. And her responses were always the same and always consistent. And this is what is recorded of her, res of her response to it was, I have never been happier in my life. Aiden loved Jesus Christ. Leonard Odom loved me. I love that quote. I love that quote by Ada. There's something beautiful and yet so repulsive about the response, isn't it? Beautiful because we all hope that all can say of us at the end of our life that above all else, so-and-so loved Jesus Christ. Right? Right? 
Isn't that what every single one of us wants in our life? And yet it's repulsive because of the thought of taking love of Jesus to these extremes flies in the face of the Christian culture that we find ourselves in that tells us that loving Jesus above all else means loving family above all else. Right? Mission given. Mission restored. I can't help but wonder, how many have rejected mission given or mission restored because of choosing God even if it is family over others? Peter, Peter ends in verse 17. Lord, You know all things. You know that I love You. And here we see the omniscience of Jesus. Peter acknowledges the omniscience of Jesus. Do we? Do we acknowledge and admit and surrender to the omniscience of Jesus? Though we may not understand the mission we have been given, though we may not understand what Jesus or what God is asking of us into the future, Jesus knows. God knows. Are we willing to say yes even though we don't understand, even though we may not like it. That's the mission given, mission restored, whichever end of this perspective you find yourself on. Maybe you're still looking for your mission given. And I would pray along with you that God would open your heart to the mission that He has already given you, that you would hear it, that you would acknowledge it, that you would accept it. We also see in verses 18 through 19, mission purpose. The purpose of the mission, we could say. In verse 18, Jesus told Peter, Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were younger, you used to gird yourself and walk wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands, and someone else will gird you and bring you where you do not wish to go. Certainly we can see what John is referencing here because this was written after the death of Peter, probably. But nonetheless, there was a time in our life, in your life, where it seems as though you were on your own. It seems as though you went wherever you went. You did what you wanted to do. And then there was a time where God gave you a mission and your time, in your walk, in your way was no longer yours. Now it is God's. Now you don't move around and do what you want as you wish, but you do as God wishes. See, often we want to define the mission we have been given. God, this is the mission I'm comfortable in. Listen, I've been down this road. It's not a pleasant road to walk. God, this is the way that I want to fulfill Your mission. Now you work into my plan, right? Romans chapter 1, verse 1. Paul starts out his letter to the Romans simply as this. Paul, a slave of Jesus Christ, called as an apostle, set apart for the Gospel of God. Paul received his mission and he acknowledges the mission given. In Galatians chapter 1, verse 15, Paul tells the church there at Galatia, but when God who set me apart 
And he even goes a little bit farther and says, even from my mother's womb and called me through His grace. Paul says, this is the mission I was born for. This is the mission God created me for. From even in my mother's womb, God has set me apart for this very mission. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8, by faith. It's a verse we love to quote. Take it to heart. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, he obeyed God going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance. And he went out not even knowing where he was going. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 16, I guess I find it as my own realization of the mission I've been given. Where Paul says there, for if I preach the Gospel, I have nothing to post because I'm un- under compulsion. I-, I have no choice. I have, this is the obligation. Woe is me. Things will not go well for me until you do your mission. Woe is me if I do not preach the Gospel. Mission given doesn't always mean mission light. Just because we don't like the mission we have been given doesn't mean that the mission is any less real or any less true from God. In Mark chapter 10, verse 28, Peter seems to do a little complaining. He says, Jesus, behold, what do you want from us? We have left all and followed you. We've left our business. We've left our family. We've left everything to follow you. Jesus himself prayed in John chapter 12, verse 27. Now my soul has been troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but it's for this hour that I have come. Right? Mission given doesn't mean it's the mission that we like. We don't get to choose the mission that we have been given. What is the purpose of mission given or mission restored? What is the purpose? Verse 19 tells us exactly that. When you think about the death of Peter, John says, now this he said, signifying by what kind of death he would glorify God. By the way, crucified upside down. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, Follow me. But did you catch what kind of death he would glorify God? Mission given, the purpose of mission is about glorifying God. It's not about glorifying you. It's not putting a plaque on the wall of something you have done. It's not about patting yourself on the back in in all that you have done for God. None of that matters. What matters is glorifying God, that God is glorified by your mission. By your purpose. You see, fulfilling your mission is not about your definition or my definition of success. It's not about our definition of success as a church. Fulfilling our mission is about glorifying God. It's about God receiving the glory no matter what kind of life you lead. (laughs) You know, if I just use myself there as an example... Um, not in any way glorifying me, of course. So you want to be careful using yourself as examples. 
but the point of what I do, the point of the mission that God has given me is not about how the pews fill up or don't. It's not about any great preaching I may do. Right? No. What's it about? It's about glorifying God because this is what God has called me to do. See, we need to get that first and foremost in our mind. Success is not defined by, by numbers, be it financial numbers, be it by, by, by population numbers, by, by any of that stuff. Success is defined by are you glorifying God in the mission He has given you to do? Just as we've seen with Peter. We remember many things about Peter. But very few want to say Peter glorified God the way John does here because in his death, God was glorified. Many will not fulfill the purpose of mission given because they refuse to accept the terms. The cost is too high. The cost is just too high. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself Take up his cross and follow me. Deny is a selfless manner. We want to do mission. And sometimes we glamorize mission. I'm again reminded here of a quote I, or of a, a little analogy I've used before, and that is this. Everyone wants to be a gladiator, right? Everyone wants to be a gladiator until they see the 2,000-pound bull. Then what they realized what they really wanted was to wear tights and hear the roar of the crowd, right? Isn't that how we view mission? We see the glamour of it. We, see, we read the stories, and that's what we want. Mission is about glorifying God. This takes us now to the final point, and that is mission-specific. Mission-specific. We see it in verses 20 to 22. Peter turned around and said, Lord... Lord, what, what, about, what about this man? What about him? Sound familiar? <laughs> yeah, but what about? I mean, you get it with your kids, right? As soon as you ask them to do something, is yeah, but what about my brother or my sister, right? We compare ourselves to others' mission. Why can't I have that person's mission? Why can't I have that, right? That's what we do. That's exactly the same thing that Peter was doing here. It's very natural for us to want to do that. And then in verse 22, Jesus tells Peter, Peter, if I want that man, if I want John to remain until I return, what is that to do with you? That has absolutely nothing to do with you, Peter. You follow me. Follow is an imperative position. You follow me. That is mission-specific. Not his mission, Peter, but your mission. I didn't give you his mission. I didn't give him your mission. You have been given a mission. We have been given a mission. That is what we are to fulfill. In Matthew chapter 8, verses 18 through 22. And now when Jesus saw the crowd around him, he gave orders to depart to the other side of the sea. And a scribe came up and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. <laughs> Peter wasn't alone in making these bold 
exclamations, these, goal, these bold proclamations. And Jesus said to him, the foxes have holes, the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Another disciple came to him and said, Lord, permit me first to go bury my father. And Jesus said to him, let the bed, dead bury the dead, you follow me. See, we have been given a mission specific. We can't compare ourselves to others. We want to say, Lord, I will do whatever you want me to do. Every single one of us this morning has said that. Are we sure we want to do everything? Are we sure? We, do we know what we're saying? We say, Lord, whatever you want me to do, that I want you to do, that I want to do. We love to say with Isaiah, Lord, here I am, send me. Oh, where? No, not there. <laughs> to do what? No, I don't want to do that. God does not need you or me to accomplish his mission. God does not give you, did not give you or me a mission so we can be glorified, so that we can receive glory. Your whole purpose, your mission in life, my mission in life is so that God receives glory. Do you understand that? Your life is not about you. Your life is not even your own. Your life, success, failures, is about glorifying God in those successes and failures. You don't set the terms. I don't set the terms. God sets the terms. Listen, church, as we close out Gospel of John and this, this whole little fulfill your mission, don't be AWOL. Right? Don't be absent without leave as they would say in the military, right? See, see, many are more interested in country than they are in mission. Many are more passionate about politics than they are passionate about mission. That's sin. That is wrong. You need to confess. You need to embrace the mission God has given you and is not to argue about politics. It's not to argue those things we love to do. Listen, we must report for duty. The church is AWOL. The Christians are AWOL in this country at all costs. You must. We must fulfill our mission. You have been given a mission. You probably know exactly what it is. Are you willing to fulfill it? Are you willing to say yes, no matter what it costs? Father, I, Lord, I pray that as we let these thoughts bounce around our brains, I pray, Lord, that you would take each one of us on the journey as you took Peter. Lord, the journey that you took me on as I also found myself surrendering over and over and over again this week. Lord, you have given each one of us a mission. I don't get to set the terms. We don't get to set the terms. You do. May you be glorified by each individual in this church. And may you be glorified here at Holly Grove. I pray, Lord, as we go forward, that we will continue to search and surrender to your mission, to your purpose that you have called us to. Pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.